0: Welcome to CineCast, a CineDec podcast where we chat with outside-the-box thinkers that are changing the video industry. Take one. Hello, everyone. Welcome to CineCast by CineDeck. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Today, we're continuing our conversation with Alex Parnell. He's president of Splitting Lanes Entertainment. If you haven't heard part one yet, you should go do that. We'll be waiting here with more juicy content. But last episode, we set the stage for Alex's creative vision and some of the ways the market is changing. So definitely go give that a listen. Alex, welcome back to the podcast. How are you doing? Great. How are you doing? I am super. So Alex, I think the main takeaway from last time's conversation is that client expectations in this field are really changing. Um, I think that comes alongside more educated clients. uh, And because of that education, I think that makes for pickier clients too. Oh, absolutely. Uh, You know, clients know what they're looking for and therefore they have a more active voice in the minutia of the work that uh, comes back to them and some of their suggestions. Do you find any link between heightened client expectations and an increase in revisions or extremely minute suggestions and changes?
1: Uh, Absolutely. (laughs) Um, And I think another thing that's that's made that's made that worse is things like, not necessarily worse, but just different. Um, things like free re- DaVinci Resolve, um, you know, a DP will pull up DaVinci on their laptop during a screening if they're unhappy with the way things are looking <laughs> um, and uh, color it themselves and say, see. Uh, so things, things like that have really made a big difference. Even, you know, even I've had producers pull up Resolve. Um, Or, well, that's really one of the biggest things. It's just free software that's made things a little more difficult in some ways.
0: And I mean, I guess to some degree, people should be happy that clients are more specific with what they want, because at least the revisions coming back are not quite as ambiguous or vague or just, I, you know, the color here seems wrong. Like, okay, like, can you be more specific? I mean, now I think um, just based on the way we consume media, the accessibility that we have to media, I think more people have a general understanding of the basics. And so you'll probably get more feedback that – um at least feels in the right direction and you know how to work with it a little better. Even if that does mean the changes are more minute and maybe, uh, there are more changes they're asking for because they know what they're looking for.
1: Um, well I find it's uh, to be honest for me that I don't find has changed too much. Uh, Really? Okay. No, you know, it's the, the changes are, it's still, you get two people in the room with you and they have opposite opinions. Um, you know, so it's, uh, I don't necessarily find that the changes are more minute than they used to be. People are definitely more educated on color science, which is really nice.
0: That's good.
1: Um, so it's it's nice that you can show, you know. A lot of producers something on a scope and they'll understand what they're at least on a basic level what they're looking at you know if highlights are completely clipped out or something like that when you if you show someone a straight line on a scope sometimes that helps
0: now last episode you mentioned that freelancers are setting sometimes an unrealistic tone for the work that um, gets delivered to clients in that Uh, specifically non-union freelancers might work really, really long hours to get something right, which in essence, you know, you would appreciate that you have someone that cares that much about their work and is willing to deliver uh, something that they think is is perfect, right? But in doing so, they set an unhealthy expectation between freelancers and clients in that clients expect this quality not quite understanding the amount of hours it takes to get to that quality uh, and therefore maybe get confused on pricing, or it, it just creates a lot of stress for the freelancers. Do you mind breaking down that dynamic a little more and kind of how you felt this particular pain point in your career? Well,
1: generally what it is is a producer will come in and you know, if you do a review on a show, if you get you know, it depends. Like, like a standard hour reality show gets anywhere from two to five days in online and color. Um, and if you get two days and you have to review it the second day, Um, You know, if you have a 1500 shot show, if you just do the math on that, you know, you you spend maybe say 12 hours between the two days on color. Um, So what is that 720 minutes? You have about 30 seconds a shot. Um, It's tough to make something look decent that quickly. Um, It definitely can be done, um, especially if it's a controlled environment and shots aren't changing that much. But we all know reality shows generally are not that controlled in an environment and they're, <laughs> they're very heavily edited. The cameras are not balanced properly. Um, and so sometimes you'll, you'll wind up with a producer who'll come in and give you 10 pages of notes on a show like that. Um, and they expect them to be done and the show to be output that day. Um, that's basically impossible sometimes. Um, so some colorists will just stay the first day and do a 16 hour shift. So they know that they're not going to get noted heavily the next day. Um, and it just it it basically, like, it, like I said earlier, it just creates these unrealistic expectations that um, somebody can get the same amount of work done in a normal shift.
0: Now, on the deliverables specifically, uh, have you felt that? what you're actually having to turn in as of late? Um, and by as of late, maybe I mean even in just the last two or three years, even a uh, shorter time frame if it applies. Have you felt those deliverables change? Um, and if so, have there been any new strains on classic workflows for editing work? Um or if there hasn't been a lot of change, you know, what are the consistent strains that still exist?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, there's obviously been a massive change from, from tape delivery to tapeless delivery, sure. um, and going from you know digi beta to HD cam, HD cam SR, um, and now to 4K UHD files. Um, so that was a massive strain, especially in the beginning. <laughs> um, it's gotten better as the as software, you know, as Avid has implemented more. Uh, functionality for outputting files. But I mean, back when we were first delivering files, uh, you know, we couldn't even output more than a stereo stereo tracks at habit. We had to <laughs> export QuickTime references and then encode them if you wanted to have more than two channels of audio. Huh. Um, so there are like the limitations that used to exist are getting less and less and less by the day. But At the same time, networks know the limitations and they're pushing hard against that um, to get the best delivery they possibly can. Um, But some networks are still, you know, they got their tapeless delivery uh, specs a few years ago and they're just sticking with it and they're not changing. Um, It really depends on the network.
0: Do you find the transition from tape to tapeless and to uh, higher quality, like you said, even 4K deliverables, has that been a smooth transition uh for these networks or has it been <laughs> you laugh no, no no definitely
1: not i mean things like that are never a smooth transition i mean you're making a a, a, a it's a complete rewrite of of how you're going to ingest your media you know yeah. on a tape you get you take an sdi stream and it's a, it's a it's an industry standard and it's always the same everywhere you go with files that are created by dozens of different pieces of software they're all written slightly differently even the same versions, like I had problems at a delivering in the very beginning. Um, our files uh, that we would deliver would manually transcode 100% of the time, but their automated transcode system, they would always fail. And the only thing we could track it down to was we were on Avid 6.5, and at that point I think 8 was out, and the only thing we could track it down to was uh, the difference in the DNx HD codec, that there was something in it that their servers did not like. Um, But for whatever reason, when they would manually transcode, they'd have no issues.
0: So would you say that these higher quality deliverables are forcing the industry, or at least your side of the industry, to get more efficient? Absolutely.
1: I mean, the file-based delivery (laughs) at this point for a network is very efficient if you use something like a CineDec or CineX insert, and you can just, you know, for revisions, it's really simple. Someone sends you a time-coded, you know, a time-coded piece of an MXF file or a QuickTime, depending on what your delivery is, and it basically automatically drops drops the fix in. So it makes it easier on the client end and on the network end because I don't have to re-output a whole new file.
0: And we'll get more into the details of some software that has been very helpful for you in this transition uh, on part three of this podcast. But before we finish up this part, gotta ask you for some anecdotes because I feel like they're numerous and uh, sometimes putting things into context really helps an audience visualize why (laughs) workflow is so important. So what is a horror story of yours that you can remember that really highlights the pains of an inefficient workflow? And it can either be back in the tape days, but if you could point to a an example in the tapeless days, since those are the ones that are most current. That'd be <laughs> that'd be best.
1: Yeah, um, let me think. Uh, recently, the most the worst workflow that I dealt with was um, I did a show called Bad Baby or Bringing Up Baby for uh, Snapchat, um, and that was edited in Premiere, uh, colored in Resolve, and then spit back to Premiere. Now <laughs> we couldn't get XML to work uh, because they had done. It was very effect heavy there were tons of resizes there were tons of split screens um, So our workflow wound up being a quick time mix down essentially um, <laughs> Color traced and then you know lots of power windows for all these split screens um, That's in my eyes a absolute nightmare workflow because I can't grade every shot individually. I had to track all of the windows as they came, you know, the split screens as they came on and off screen. Um, But we did it really fast and there wasn't enough time to figure out how to make everything work properly. And there wasn't time for me to conform everything is basically what it came down to in Resolve. Um, And I also tried coloring in Premiere, um, which I had never done before. So in the interest of speed, I wanted to try it and see if I could do it. Um, but I could not make that work for myself personally. Um, just like I said, in, in the interest of speed, it was actually faster to drop it into Resolve um, and and uh, edit it down and just uh, <laughs> and just do basically down and dirty on it, um, which is that that to me is a nightmare. Um, you know, I hate not being able to color individual clips and spit them back out and relink and uh, and actually utilize everything that I need to. Um, There were no handles on anything. We had to recolor a bunch of spots because the transitions weren't working properly. Um, That's not a situation I like to be in.
0: And we're going to continue to break down how to get out of those unfortunate situations, how software can really help build a network of support for you as a freelancer, uh, and what an efficient workflow does look like today on part three of this conversation. Alex, thank you so much for rejoining us on the podcast. We'll be chatting again here soon. Thanks. And thank you, everyone, for listening to today's episode of Cinecast. And if you like what you heard and want to listen to previous episodes, you can head to Cinedec.com, where you can find our podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And make sure you leave a rating and a comment wherever you listen to your podcast content. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.